This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Called Running the Race, and uh, we've uh, spent a couple of weeks so far looking at uh, various uh, topics around the theme of running the Christian race. We've looked at the importance of preparation and training, important for the athlete, vital and critical for the Christian. We've looked at being encouraged by others who have gone before us and uh, who encourage us with their example of faithfulness to the Lord and uh, keeping going. And we've looked at throwing off anything that entangles and the sin that uh, so easily gets hold of us and putting those things to one side and running the race that Jesus has set out for us. And this week we're going to start with the same verse that we looked at last week, but we're going to pick up something different from it. And uh, the verse is this, it's in Hebrews chapter 1. If you've got a Bible with you, you might want to turn to it. It's Hebrews chapter 1, sorry, Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by uh, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So last week we looked at throwing off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. This week we're going to start by looking at running with perseverance, the race marked out for us. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. Lord, we've already uh, talked about this in our, in our time of worship, that we, uh, Lord, we honour your word, we believe it's you speaking to us. And so we want to open ourselves up to it now. And we say, Lord God, would you speak to us? By your word, Holy Spirit, come and apply it to our lives. Help us, Lord, to understand what we read. And Lord Jesus, help us to be open to you speaking to us through it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, running with perseverance. There's an old joke uh, that talks about this particular verse and about not knowing who perseverance is but really the joke only works if you happen to know anybody called percy and it's not a terribly common name these days is anybody called percy in this morning it was my granddad's name so uh, that's why it means something to me but i've, I've often heard it uh, referred to now who is this character perseverance maybe it's my granddad that we should be running with <laughs> But actually the verse isn't talking about running with a particular individual called Percy or anything else. But it's rather to do with how you run, not who you run with. So if something is easy, then it's fair to say you don't need a great deal of perseverance, do you? If a particular project at home, a DIY project, is easy and straightforward, now admittedly not many DIY projects are easy and straightforward in my experience, 
Maybe that's more to do with me than the projects. But if such a project does not require, and it's not difficult, it's very easy and straightforward, it doesn't require perseverance. You don't have to keep going at it. If something's easy, it's, you know, it's easy, isn't it? If something's straightforward, you don't need a great deal of commitment to it. If anybody could do it, then probably anybody would. But the writer of the Hebrews here says very clearly to us, we need to run with perseverance. And this verse tells us that probably things are going to get tough. Probably at some points in our Christian life, it's going to become hard going, if it hasn't already got hard going. And it's not that I'm a prophet of doom. It's not that I'm being negative about particular situations. It's just how it is. It's saying we need to run with perseverance. And we need to hear that before it gets tough. Because it's something we need to learn and be aware of so that when situations do come that test us or are hard going or are difficult, we're not thrown off course. So the trouble is if we don't prepare ourselves well for it, this can happen. If things are going well, things are sailing off nice and straightforwardly, if we don't prepare ourselves for harder times, when they come, and invariably they probably will, we can get totally thrown off course. We can think, God doesn't love me anymore. It's all going wrong. What happened to what I believed? Which is just nonsense. Of course God loves us. Of course he's faithful. We're saying about it this morning. We've declared it. That doesn't change. We do well to educate ourselves in advance. Now sometimes we'll need to persevere. Sometimes we'll need to just keep going and trust in God. Even if it's hard. And it's those times you need to press on and persevere in. It's in the race that the athlete draws on their training, on the perseverance they've been taught. It's when the pressure is on, they know they need to keep going and persevere to the end. And friends, it's the same in the Christian life as well. There are times when it seems that things are going well and we don't need to draw on God as much as we do when things are going tougher or when they're harder. We need to learn to draw on God and persevere in those times. So how do you run with perseverance? What does that mean? And how do you jump the hurdles that invariably get in the way? Which is why we have a picture of hurdles behind us this morning. So this morning I've called jumping the hurdles. Jumping the hurdles. So if you were to go out for a casual walk this afternoon, maybe around Marquetan Park, you probably wouldn't need much perseverance. Now, it might rain a bit, it might be a bit wet and a bit windy, but you're not going to need a whole load of perseverance to get around there if you're reasonably fit to start with. Probably you can can make the circuit and, and get back to the cafe without too much hard work. But if you compare that to walking the Pennine Way, which the National Trail website says is 268 miles, chasing the Pennine mountain tops along the rugged backbone of England, from the Peak District through the Yorkshire Dales and over Hadrian's Wall to the, uh, the Cheviots, is it? Amongst the finest upland walking in England. You might need a bit more perseverance. You might need a bit more dedication to seeing it through. 
Or if maybe you were to go on Greenland's Arctic Circle Walk, which is a nine-day trek across 165 kilometres of Greenland's longest waymarked trail from the airport, airport I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but I'm going to give it a go, from the airport at Kangagusalak, near the ice cap, to Sismit on the coast, you might need a bit more perseverance. It's going to be different to just taking a stroll around the park on Sunday afternoon. If you attempted the Pennine Way or maybe the Arctic Circle Walk, thinking you were just going for a casual Sunday afternoon stroll around the park, and if you weren't adequately prepared wearing the appropriate clothing and boots probably, and weren't aware of what you needed to do to complete your journey, chances are you'd get into trouble. Agreed? You know, if you imagine you were trying it in the summer, so maybe if you were just doing a Marquetan Park walk, you're talking about uh, T-shirt and shorts and flip-flops. They will not see you across the Pennine Way, or even less across the Arctic Circle walk. You need to prepare for the journey. And running with perseverance in the Christian life is about preparing for the journey and not giving in too easily. James says this, James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Another translation puts it like this. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person, sorry, this is verse 12, I apologise. Verse 12 of James chapter 1. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. James 1 verse 12. So perseverance is clearly a good thing. But how do you get it? How do you run with it? Well, we've said partly perseverance is about determining to finish. And we'll look at finishing well next week in our final part of this mini-series. Sometimes I think that perseverance is the redeemed version of stubbornness. And those of you who think, well, I'm a stubborn person, or maybe your husband or wife thinks you're a stubborn person, maybe you can redeem that into perseverance in the Christian life. But I think it's more than that. It's not just redeeming stubbornness. Actually, perseverance is something that God gives us. He helps us with it by his spirit. He helps us to keep going when it gets tough, hanging in there when others would have quit. And one of the most common reasons for quitting is the hurdles that we come across in the Christian life. If you were to uh, go for a hurdle race, you would get to a point in a race where you need to make a decision. What are you going to do about the hurdle that's in front of you? You need to make a decision about how you're going to get over it. And one of the most common reasons for quitting in the Christian life and people giving up and, uh, and running away from it is when hurdles come. And hurdles will come. And they're different hurdles for each of us. But we need to learn how to jump them.
Now, some of them are there by, as a result of our own sin. Some are tests from heaven. Some, it's just, it's just life. It's just one of those things. So there are different reasons for the hurdles, and there are different types of hurdles that are there. James said we will receive tests of many kinds, and the testing produces perseverance. But hurdles can take people out of the race. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, I'm guessing you can think of people that you know have been taken out of the race. They've come across some hurdles, and it's knocked them out. So what are some of the examples that these hurdles could be? I was really hoping to have some hurdles on stage this morning, but you've no idea how difficult it is to get hold of such hurdles. The best we could come up with were some, uh, some junior school versions of a couple of cones and a bit of ribbon, I think, which wouldn't really have cut it. So hence the picture behind us. But friends, hurdles will come. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but here are some examples of some of the hurdles you may face in your Christian life. Disappointment, exhaustion, relationship breakdown, family pressures or family disaster, work pressures, uncertainty of your identity, who you are in Christ, envy of others, bitterness, jealousy of others or their success, unforgiveness, isolation, Illness, be it yours or others. Poor church experience. Fear of failure. Fear of other people. Money or financial pressures. Sex. Sin, particularly repetitive or habitual. Death of a loved one. Misuse of authority. Or a theological slide. Now, I'm very aware that some of those things, everyone faces. Some of them are particularly relevant to us as those who trust in Jesus. Now, it's often said in Christian leadership circles that the big three things that take leaders out of ministry, the big hurdles, if you like, are money, sex, and power. And we'll, uh, we'll mention those. We'll talk about those in a little bit detail, more detail in a moment. But actually, I think they're relevant to all of us. So we'll look at them in a second. And depending on what time we get, we may pick some others from the list as well. We certainly don't have time to go through them all this morning. And as I said, it's not exhaustive. We need to learn how to jump some of these because invariably some of them will come along to all of us. So the big three then, particularly for leaders, and if you're in uh, any position of leadership, uh, be it in the church or in business or in education or in work or whatever it might be, then th these are some common uh, common hurdles for you. Money. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from this faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. We talked about this last week a little bit. But Paul makes it really clear that the love of money is dangerous. And because of that, some people have wandered from the faith, he says. We need to watch for this one. We need to watch for this hurdle. It will come up. Is it a problem for you? How are you going to jump it if it comes along? I say one of the best ways of jumping the money hurdle is to learn generosity. Learn to give it away. Learn to be generous. That's one of the best ways of jumping the money hurdle. 
What about sex? Well, we live in a highly sexualized society. Sexual images and temptation all around us. So you need to make a decision early on and up front to live in a way that is pure, in a way that honors God. So Paul's advice to Timothy was this in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1. He says, treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And you could probably reverse the instructions for women as well. So we should honour and treat one another in a godly way. That's what he's saying here. Jesus had put it like this in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said this, Matthew 5, verse 27. You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So Jesus gives us a commandment, a judgment and a warning and an instruction here. And the commandment is from the Ten Commandments. Jesus is referring back to the Old Testament law that was given to the people of God. Many of Jesus' listeners at that point would have been patting themselves on the back going, I'm okay, I'm good on this, Jesus. But he goes on, he ups the ante, he says, if you've even looked lustfully, then you're guilty. But Jesus doesn't leave us to stumble around in our sin. No, no, no. He gives us a way out. He tells us a way out. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. So, it's a fairly radical teaching of Jesus here. Does he really mean that we should, you know, uh, get hold of the nearest penknife and open it up and gouge out our eye? Is that what Jesus really means? Should we, you know, if we've got a problem with our hand, is, is really the best thing to do is cut it off? Is that really what he's saying, literally? Jesus wants to get our attention here. And he is saying we need to be radical. We need to take some radical decisions. Temptation will come. There will be hurdles. But Jesus says you need to be radical about how you deal with them. It, it doesn't mean you literally need to gouge your eye out. Because if that was what Jesus meant, most of us would be going round blind with no legs, no arms and barely anything left. So Jesus clearly doesn't mean that. But he does mean we need to be radical in the way that we deal with sin and temptation. And temptation will come. That's not sin in and of itself. The issue is how we deal with it, what we do with it when it comes. There will be hurdles, but they don't have to trip you up. Jesus is saying you need to get rid of what will tempt you, what's going to be a hurdle to you. Don't play with it. Don't mess around. Don't put yourself in a position where it's going to be a problem for you, where you're likely to be tempted. That's true here, and it's actually true of lots of issues that we face. Sometimes we just need to make some wise choices about what we do and where we go. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. It's good, isn't it? That's what, that's what God said. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when that temptation comes, he'll provide you with a way out. 
God will provide a way out without fail, always. You don't have to fall. You don't have to trip on this hurdle. You can jump it. Friends, it really is possible. What about power then? As I said, leaders in any area of life, be it business or education, voluntary sector, the church, they're vulnerable to this one. Power can be a problem here. Peter gives us some good advice. He says this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Power, we know, can corrupt. Many of us would have seen situations Maybe in the workplace where there have been others that we've been working with, maybe uh, working for, maybe you're in a situation right now where your boss is just a power-hungry maniac. I've certainly been in, uh, in situations in my working life where I've worked for some very interesting characters. And you think it's just clearly gone to their heads. So how do we jump this one? How do we make sure we don't trip on the power hurdle what's the solution firstly it's this remember that you're there to serve you're there to serve those that you lead jesus's example to us was a servant leader wasn't it so remember that we're here to serve remember that you're there to serve secondly be in team it's another good way of of jumping this hurdle be in team accountability is crucial and vital to helping to ensure that this hurdle doesn't bring you down. For me, I'm in a number of teams. There are probably three, I guess there are probably three main ones. The first one is my marriage. That's my first, that's my first team. Uh, my second team, I'm in an eldership team in Jubilee with two other elders. Now, I might happen to lead that team and I do, but they're still elders, and they're able to challenge and correct. And believe me, they do. And that's good, and it's right, and it's healthy. We all need to be in those sort of robust teams. Thirdly, I'm in an apostolic team that leads the family of churches we're part of, Christ Central Churches, which in turn is part of New Frontiers. And in that setting particularly, there's real vulnerability and openness with one another in that team. And just to make sure it's real, once a year, our wives come along too. <laughs> and uh, we can say, oh, it's all great, it's all good. And, uh, and then they turn up and say what it's really like. <laughs> but it's good for us. And it's good to be in those sort of accountable and open relationships. Sarah and I were so impacted by it that we did that with the, our Jubilee leadership team at the beginning of this year, that similar sort of thing. And to have those sort of relationships is really helpful. Being in team really helps counter the hurdle of power now the other danger of power is being on the receiving end of inappropriately used power and that's a hurdle that's that's a difficult one to get over but it is possible you can jump it you can get over it it often takes time it takes forgiveness 
we don't have time to get into it this morning, but I'm aware that that's also a hurdle as well, being on the receiving end of inappropriately used power. But what are some of the other hurdles you might face? Well, as, I, as, I, as you've heard, I made this list this week. I made a list and I got David in the office to make a list and we compared our list of hurdles. And uh, we came up with this, this list of 20 or so. And uh, there's no way we've got time to, to look at all those this morning. And there are probably others we've missed. But I think there are perhaps two or three that it's worth referring to in this theme of jumping the hurdles. Because I think there are some things, particularly for us in the Christian life, that can knock us out, can trip us up, and could cause us to fall flat on our face. One of them is jealousy of other people's success. Jealousy of other people's success. This can be a massive hurdle. When other people get promoted at work rather than you, when other people take their credit for the hard work that you've put in and they get recompensed for it, when other people get recognised and you don't, jealousy of others can be a massive hurdle. We need to learn to jump this one really well. And if you're tempted to think this way, then you just have to learn to give it to God and leave it with him and ask for his grace. Now, if there's really injustice, that may need challenging, but I'm not talking about that here. Because we need to get to a place where we truly believe that promotion comes from the Lord. It says this in Psalm 75, verse 6. For promotion and power come from nowhere on earth, but only from God. He promotes one and deposes another. Psalmist seems to make it really clear there that God is behind our promotion. I'm not just talking about promotion at work and you know, getting up a career ladder, but in terms of what God does with us in our hearts. I remember one of my lecturers years ago, well, not that many years ago, a few years ago. I remember one of my lecturers as I was training. He spoke to us about this. And he challenged us really hard. He said, we had to settle this issue in our hearts. God was interested in our faithfulness not our visibility or position. He wasn't looking for that. He was looking for our hearts. He was looking for our faithfulness to what God had called us to. Now, at the time, he was the pastor of a very out-of-the-way church, not in a great city, not even in a terribly significant town, I think it's fair to say. Some years later, he has incredible visibility and very high profile. And I honestly believe that part of that is down to him settling this in his heart. Not going for position or power, but doing his best to be faithful with what God had given him to do. So how about you? Do you need to settle that one in your heart? What about this one? Fear of what other people think. Fear of what other people think. Sometimes that's almost the opposite to the previous one where you might be jealous of someone else moving on in God but afraid to step out yourself. Sometimes we can be so fearful about what other people might say or what they might think that it holds us back. I can relate to that as well. When, when God first spoke to me about moving to Derby, a place that I didn't know, had certainly never been to, many miles away from where I grew up, 
I had to learn this one. I found it very difficult to express in a, in a right and appropriate way that God had spoken to me about moving to this place and beginning to plant the church there. It just sounded so foreign. It sounded so hard. And who was I to say that God's spoken to me about planting a church? It just seemed a crazy idea. I mean, I thought it was a crazy idea. So goodness knows what other people must have thought. But it was hard to speak it out. You know, I knew God had said it, but it sounded so arrogant. And it didn't feel right. I, I remember my friend Tony. My, Tony, will be known, Tony Smith is known to many of you. I remember him standing in my lounge in Bedford and almost sort of bearing over me saying, speak it out, speak it out. And if you know Tony, you, you probably wouldn't argue at that point. You go, okay. <laughs> but I had to learn to do that in a way that was right and appropriate, not arrogance, but recognize what God had said. You know, I struggled with it. It took me a long time to be able to say in the right way, you know, God's spoken to me about moving to this place and planting a church there for his glory. I was so fearful about what other people might say about that or about me. It took me a long time to get to that place. And I've learned over the years that every time God speaks to me about something else, I sort of have to learn the whole lesson over again. I think, okay, Lord, what are you saying now? Help me to get it right again. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe there's a fear of what other people might think, what you think they might say. You know, some people can be overconfident, cocky, arrogant. And that's unpleasant. There's no fun in that. It's actually sinful. But the other extreme, if that's at one end of the spectrum, the other extreme is, oh, God couldn't use me. I, 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 I'm but a worm in his sight. Who am I to do anything for him? That's crazy. God uses us to do wonderful things for him. He chooses to. He didn't have to. He could just do it himself. But he chooses to use people, ordinary people like you and me, to do extraordinary things. And he loves to do that. And we need to be confident in God, confident in his call, walk in it humbly and hold it lightly. That's a lesson, I guess, that all of us need to learn. Because if we don't learn it, it can be a hurdle that trips us up. Sometimes it can be a fear of failure as well. If you're a perfectionist, this can be a nightmare. Now, I'm not so bad as I used to be. I'll be very, very honest this morning. Aren't I? I'm not so bad as I used to be, but I used to be a real perfectionist. And I think a lot of it came from uh, uh, learning the piano at a young age and uh, having a fairly strict piano teacher who demanded perfection at every turn and uh, was very quick to correct me. And that was good because it taught me to play well and that wasn't a bad thing. But it probably didn't do my tendency to perfectionism any good. Rather, only sort of fed it. And it got to a point where I found that, you know, everything around me had to be in that sort of perfect state. I remember somebody speaking to me once and challenging me on it, saying, we need to talk about this and we need to pray about it. Because it's right that we want things done well. That's good. Actually, things done well honour God. We're not looking to do things badly and shoddily. We want to do things well. That honours God. But actually, if we're so caught up in things being perfect, we'll miss the opportunity. We won't enjoy it, and we'll miss what God wants to do. So sometimes we need to learn, both individually and as a church, we've just got to take some risks. To step out of the boat and to try things for him. 
to see what God might do, even if it isn't perfect, because that's okay. Anyone up for that? Some of you are. That's good. Okay, one more, and then I think we'll bring it to an end. How about this one? This is a hurdle that many people face. You can imagine it written on the hurdle even. Bitterness. Bitterness. It says this in Hebrews 12, verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. This is dangerous because most people don't see it coming. It's the hurdle that's just round the corner that you don't see, and then suddenly you hit it. He hasn't got big flashing lights on this one. He hasn't got big warning signs. There's not some sort of amber, neon, flashing warning sign to prepare you. But it, and that makes it even harder. It's a dangerous one. It trips lots of people up. I can think of far too many Christians who have been offended at something or by someone and end up bitter, sometimes even years later. I can think of people that I grew up with even who just got offended at things and got bitter about things and now years later they're, they're nowhere with God. Christians leave churches because they've got bitter or offended at something. I want to encourage us this morning, friends, don't let us fall into that trap. Don't let that hurdle trip you up. Don't let this hurdle knock you flying. Don't pass all the other tests don't jump all the other hurdles only to run into this one round the corner and it knock you out. You need to obtain grace, forgive. Don't let disappointment or offence grow into bitterness. Don't give it any room to grow at all. Remember, this is important, we have an enemy. You see, we're not running a race just on our own We have an enemy who is out to trip you up. You have an enemy in the Christian life who is out putting hurdles at every turn, at every opportunity, wanting to take you out of the Christian race. And this is a classic one. It really is. Satan wants to sow discord, jealousy, bitterness, envy, and so the list goes on. And they're hurdles, and we need to jump them. As Satan sows these things, let's not give them any room to grow. Let's not water them. (laughs) Let's not feed them. Let's root them out and instead plant seeds of love and life. Amen? Before we finish, what if you've crashed the hurdles? What if you're sitting there thinking, ah, you know what, I've tripped on that one. Or maybe one we didn't mention. What if you're thinking, actually, I'm not sure that hurdle is upright anymore because I've just crashed it and it's tripped me up. What if that's you? Just because you tripped or fallen doesn't mean you're out of the race. The question is, will you get back up? Will you come back to God? Will you go again? Do hurdles can take you out? Or they can drive you to God. 
You may feel that you've fallen. You may feel you've blown it. You may feel that every hurdle we've talked about has tripped you up. That's okay. Don't give up. This morning, come to God for fresh grace and go again. There is forgiveness. There is hope. A new start is possible. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may find mercy and find, may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's not about trying harder. It's about receiving God's grace and learning in his strength to jump these hurdles. Maybe this morning you just need to come to him afresh. That's okay, you can do that. We're going to sing in a moment and worship the Lord and we're going to pray. And it may be that you want to receive some prayer this morning where we can pray for you. Perhaps if the band could come up, please, as I begin to, to finish here. There will always be hurdles in the Christian life. Some of them will be a test that God sends you in order that you might grow in him and grow maturity in him. Others will just be part of life. Others may be as a result of sin or or poor choices. But whatever the reason, obtain God's grace, his strength, and then jump. Don't let the hurdles knock you out. But keep going. Can we stand? I want to pray and... um, Then we're going to worship and pray for one another. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are always with us. Thank you that you never leave us. Thank you that you're always by our side, always leading us on. And Lord, thank you that these hurdles are not a surprise to you. Lord, whether they be tests from heaven, whether they just be part of, part of life and one of those things, or whether they be as a result of our sin or poor choices, we thank you that they are not a surprise to you. And so Lord, I want to pray this morning that you would give grace to jump these hurdles. Lord, for any who have fallen flat on their faces, and Lord, at different times we've all fallen flat on our our faces on different hurdles. Father, for any who feel that they're flat on their face right now, I want to pray for a fresh grace this morning in you. And Lord, I pray that you would come alongside, you would pick up, you would restore And you would give fresh grace to go again. Lord, we want to live in such a way that honours you, that you are glorified. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, please help us with these things. We ask it in your name. Amen. And we're going to pray in a moment. And um, Caroline's going to lead us in a song. And if you'd like to receive prayer this morning, if maybe you're thinking, you know what, I can see some hurdles coming up. And I want to know God's strength in jumping them. Then we'll have to pray with you. If you're thinking, actually, right now, I feel like I'm flat on my face and this hurdle has taken me out. Then we'd love to pray for you as well. So whether you're running 
or whether you've tripped, <laughs> or whether it feels like you're both, really, <laughs> in different areas. That's okay. We'd love to pray with you. You just come to the front as we sing and as we worship. Because I believe God's got grace this morning. Grace to restore. Grace to lift up. And there's grace to help you jump as well. And uh, just this morning as I was praying, I, I had a picture of someone. Is that? Can you put that picture back up again, Vicky? Is, is it still there? I had a picture of somebody. They got to a hurdle like this one and it was like they were crawling through it it was like they were on the floor on their hands and knees and sort of just crawling to get through it and it felt like all the strength had gone and it was just hard going and if that's you this morning if you're thinking actually yeah, I'm not jumping I'm barely crawling through it maybe it's related to work pressure that's what I felt particularly it may not be but that's what I, I felt God speaks to me about. You're just sort of barely, it feels like treacle sometimes. You're just crawling through. Then we'd love to pray for you as well. So Caroline's going to lead us. If you'd like to receive prayer, then please come as we sing. Parents, if you can go and get your children as we sing as well, please. That will serve the Frog Club leaders well and help us get ready. to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.